Hey everyone, I'm John Steele, and this is After Four, a podcast for InterVarsity alumni. Life after college is hard, and even a great experience with your InterVarsity chapter doesn't shield you from the challenges of transition. As we hear stories from real alumni learning how to make it in their post-InterVarsity reality, my hope is that this podcast will offer some encouragement, a few laughs, and even some hope for the future. This is After Four, and these are your stories. Hello, alumni, and welcome to After Four, the podcast that's just for you. I'm your host, John Steele. As always, so excited to be together for another episode. And if it's your first time joining us, welcome to the podcast. I am really glad that you made it. Hey, we've got a pretty cool guest for you this week. We're talking to Harvest, an InterVarsity alumna from Augustana College. I met Harvest at Urbana back in December, and you may remember briefly hearing from her during our season three premiere as she shared some highlights from her Urbana experience. This week, though, we get to hear about Harvest's InterVarsity story and some of her post-college journey as a missionary in China. As you know, China is a place where it's getting harder and harder to be a Christ follower and to share Jesus with others, and we're going to get to hear about some of those things today. Now, in addition to being a missionary in China, Harvest is an alum just like you. One of the themes that comes up through our conversation is one of waiting. And if there's anything that we can all identify with post-graduation, it's waiting and waiting on the Lord, waiting for his timing, waiting for him to reveal his will, waiting to feel like we're actually doing the thing we were made to do. There's so much time and emotional energy that we've invested into waiting. And I'm excited for you to get to hear about how that's played out in some really interesting ways in Harvest's life, both before and after getting to China. So, shall we get to it? All right, here's Harvest. This one's for you, alumni. Harvest, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Good to be here. Oh, it's great to have you. Gosh, this is exciting to have somebody that's sort of in your station of life, but to be able to actually sit across the table from each other and talk and not yeah. have it be on Zoom. This is exciting. Yeah, it's great to be in person. Yes. It's always good to be with someone, right? Be with a friend. It's good. <laughs> exactly. Well, Harvest, let's just start getting to know each other. Let's help our listeners get to know you. First of all, just tell us your name as, as best as we're using it today, your name and your alma mater, the InterVarsity chapter that you were a part of. And then just, you know, give us give us an idea of big picture, just kind of who you are, what you're interested in. Yeah. Well, great. Thanks. I'm Harvest. And that's a, just a nickname I've had for many years. And okay. we're going to use that today just yes. for safety's sake. Grew up in Minnesota, and I went to college at Augustana College in Illinois and was a part of the university chapter there, where I really flourished and grew and have lifelong friends, which is, is awesome. After college, I um, lived in the U.S. for 10 years teaching outdoor education and directing an outdoor education program at a large outdoor center. And then eventually followed my God-given dreams. I believe they're God-given dreams to go overseas <laughs> to serve him as a missionary. And that's where I'm at right now. That's awesome. Now, Harvest, not related necessarily to those things, but my understanding is that you're a violinist. Is that yes. correct? Okay. Yes. And that you play in a lot of worship contexts mm -hmm. for violin. Now, what I would like to know is outside of worship genre music, what is your favorite genre of music to play on the violin? Wow. Well, I, I studied classical violin for about 20 years. Wow. Okay. I love playing classical music, but it's been a while. I, I played in a blues band for a long time. It was super fun, super awesome to just kind of like 
Sawe at the fiddle yeah. with this blues band. So that was a really, really fun. And in fact, I was together with one of my old band members this weekend and we okay. got to play together. It was super awesome. Whenever I would bring my bow in, though, to get rehaired from the guy that works on my violin, he would be like, what are you doing? Like, <laughs> do you, 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 were, you know, because I would lose so many bow hairs. And then even the stick of my bow it's like, he's like, you're, you're pressing too hard. I was like, well, I play in a blues band. <laughs> so I love, I love that. And I like yeah. the, the worship band that I've played in for many years is kind of a more electric guitar led band. Okay. So I kind of stick myself in with the electric totally. guitars. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so love, love to play that. that That's style. great. Next time you're in town, we'll skip the podcast and we'll just jam. Sounds instead. good to me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds great. Uh, so, okay. So you said that you went to Augustana and that you studied outdoor rec stuff or what no, did you study while I you were there? I studied L-Ed. At first I thought I wanted to go into social work, but that course changed and I moved into elementary education with the idea that I would someday go out somewhere and teach either on the missions field or in an area of need. But then after I graduated, I stayed in the United States. And I did work in the realm of education, but it was at this outdoor center. And I had, in my summer months in college, worked at summer camps. Gotcha. And was like, wait, you can be a professional camp counselor? <laughs> like, yeah, that's what I want to do. So I did. I was a professional camp counselor that's for awesome. 10 years and worked at this outdoor center. And it was an amazing experience. That's great. And it's while you were at Augustana that you met InterVarsity. Yeah. Going into college, I was a follower of Jesus Christ. I love Jesus. I love the Word of God. I was in a really solid discipleship group all through junior high and high school. So going to college, I knew that meeting other Christians and being a part of a fellowship was like my number one or number two objective. Connecting with the symphony orchestra and (laughs) connecting with the people of God. Like those were my two like main goals. I didn't do a lot of research before I got to college. Like I'm going to find the Christian fellowship. I don't know. I, I guess I figured I'll find, you know, the Christians. And so I went to the freshman activities fair and met InterVarsity. One of the girls that became one of my closest friends who also played in the symphony, she was a Christian too. And she and I like headed off to InterVarsity. And I'll never forget like walking up the stairs into the large group meeting when there was this guy named Paul Chung standing at the door and he said, clear as a bell, he said, welcome home. And I just thought, yeah, this is home. That's awesome. And that was our first large group meeting. And that was it. Those were my my people then, my university friends who really became some of my my dearest friends. Yeah. Those people and our staff worker, they laid a foundation in me that I stand on today. As you think about this welcome home experience and the many memories that followed, is there anything that stands out to you as like, gosh, this was sort of like a hallmark moment with my university chapter? Absolutely. I have stories that I've told again and again and again as a part of my life story. I had these times when university staff workers or university missionaries would come and talk. And I, like I said earlier, I always had a heart towards missions and going to the nations. So this was in me already. And I was kind of like, Lord, when am I going to go be a missionary? And I remember two significant things. One, there was a missionary couple who were sharing on stage at a conference and they were missionaries in Italy. Now, first of all, I was like, whoa, you can be a missionary in Italy. That's awesome. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and they were working in student ministry in Italy. And I remember sitting in the chair watching them and my heart just like beating faster and faster. It's like I wanted to jump out of my chair. I wanted them to like have an altar call. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so I could do something like run up out of my seat and say, like, sign me up. I'm in. It's just that excitement in my heart. Just, 
hearing these missionaries and just getting this vision and excitement from the Lord to go to the nations. And then the second was strangely the opposite. It was after another conference and the staff worker that was our small group leader, it was my senior year, and she knew that I wanted to go into missions. I guess I made it pretty clear. And she said, you know, you're going to be a good teacher because I was studying education. And she said, I know you want to be a missionary. But before you go and be a missionary, I think you need to get some life experience. You need to work in the United States. I have to say, first of all, that that's not everybody's life path. Some people are called immediately into missions, and that's awesome. At that moment for me, I knew she was speaking truth to me. And it was like the death of a vision. Like I walked away and cried because I thought, I don't want to stay here. I had lived in Sweden for a while. I had lived in Jamaica for a while growing up, and I didn't want to get stuck. But I think the Lord used this woman to just speak like a real clear, direct word to me that was from God. And even though it was really hard to hear, she had the wisdom to speak it out to me and the courage, I guess. And so I did. Like I told you, I stayed in the United States for 10 years. And if you'd have told me then I was going to be in the U.S. for 10 years, I'd have really cried. But um, (laughs) I ended up getting to work at a place where I learned so much and I got to be a part of a local Christian church where I gained so much. And those 10 years were so formative. I'm so thankful that the Lord had this woman to speak the right word at the right moment. Like that scripture in Proverbs that says, like apples of gold in settings of silver is a word aptly spoken. Someone, you know, through my my life at InterVarsity just spoke that word right to me that really was a guidepost in my life. I find it so amazing and very confusing that we can have these things in our life, these, I would say, these sort of God-given desires and like very something worthwhile pursuing with your life. But then the immediate thing is like, but not yet. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. I do believe that God has given you this calling, but first... It can just be so confusing to me of like, well, why not? Like you could have gotten 10 more years in the field. It sort of reminds me of Jesus spending 30 years and then spends three years. Yeah. Yeah. Three years (laughs) in his sort of traveling ministry. Totally. That's just such a, such a strange, like the way that God does that timing. Yeah, totally. You could get 10 more years, but I have 10 years of things for you to learn and experience first, and then you'll actually be effective in what you're doing. And isn't that like a picture of how really God is concerned not about that mission, but he's concerned about my heart and my life towards him. And yeah, like look at David. He knew he had been anointed king when he was very young. And how long did he have to wait all that he had to go through so that when the time came for him to become king, he was equipped and ready. Look at Abraham. I mean, we can make a list of people that had a call and then had to wait. Hurry up and wait. (laughs) Yes. One of the most powerful things somebody ever said to me when I was in campus ministry and feeling so ineffective in the work that I was doing, not impacting students around me, at least not that I could see in clear cut ways or the ways that we're measuring. And somebody saying, do you think it's possible that God is willing to invest this time and these students in you Mm. so that you can be developed here, knowing that he's going to take care of them? You're not their sole possibility of growing in faithfulness with Jesus. Maybe these first few years are about you. Do you think God would say that that's worth it? And I was just like, wow. Yeah. (laughs) That's crazy to think that that time of ministry is an investment in me and not just me investing in other people. Now, Harvest, this is a point in the conversation that I would typically ask the story about sort of expectations and then reality, but we're going to have a different conversation here instead. And that's that I would like to know, given the 
sort of unique world that you find yourself in, or at least that I imagine for many of our listeners probably feels like a very unique world. Tell me, what is it like to live out your faith in the context that you currently live in? All right. (laughs) Wow. Well, it's a lot of praying and listening. So I live in a very large country in Asia, (laughs) the biggest country in Asia. Yes. And um, I've lived there in China for 15 years. And I never had this part of the world on my heart growing up. I did have a heart for missions and I really wanted to go to the nations. But, you know, talking of curvy paths, the walk (laughs) of faith brought me to this country. I first came there to direct a charity. We work in childcare around the country, helping train teachers. That was what brought me to China. But then in the course of my time there, I started reaching out to friends and wanting to help introduce people to Christ. So through that, what has grown up out of that is a fellowship of local believers and people like myself from different countries. In this time, things are getting a little more difficult for believers. And so in the past three, four years, what it means for us to walk our faith is to really listen and be determined to follow the Lord, even when there are obstacles along the way. And there's risks and difficulties, but there's so much joy in meeting people who really want to hear good news and really want to have their lives changed. And, you know, in that part of the world, atheism is kind of the the worldview that people live under. And atheism is just a really hopeless place to be. And so I meet a lot of amazing people, young adults mostly, who are chasing their dreams and they're getting great educations and great jobs, but they're finding that their heart is not yet filled up. There's still an emptiness there, a hopelessness. And so to be able to to let them know that there's a God in heaven who knows them and loves them and has a plan for their life and that they can have a relationship with God often their response is, tell me more. It's not like, oh yeah, whatever, you know, you be you, you know, (laughs) there's none of that. It's more like, wow, tell me more. And so this is the greatest joy of my life right now is to be with these kind of people and have the honor of introducing them to Christ and then the honor of kind of growing up with them and learning to follow the Lord in unique ways to bring this community together in a situation that is not so, it's not so easy to come together for different reasons. So for me, though, in my personal life, it's really surrendering to Christ saying, like, what do you have for me to do today? I don't want to launch ahead and just do my own inspired ideas. I need you, Lord, to please lead me and let me remain in your will and in your plan and your purpose. Because it's dangerous to go outside of your will and outside of your grace and outside of your anointing. And so in my daily life, as I meet friends, new friends, old friends, and we come together for fellowship, we have to really... Walk with the Lord to know where, to, when, what day to meet, where to meet. Even when I was, because um, I, I, for many years, I hosted a fellowship in my home. Moving to a new apartment is a massive undertaking, not because finding an apartment is hard, but because I needed to know from the Lord which apartment he chooses. Interesting. Because it matters who my neighbors are when you have 30 people coming into your house to sing. And it matters who's below you in listening. <laughs> yeah. And I, how can I know that? I have no idea. The Lord, on two different accounts of my life, it was not easy, but led me to the right apartment at the right time. I had to move apartments because my landlord was selling. And I thought in my head that I had this deadline of January 16. And I, I had a couple months to go. And so I started praying. And partially I had been praying for a larger apartment, not because I need one myself. I live up by myself, 
but for our, our friends that would gather. I knew to stay in this one particular apartment complex. And so my prayer was, I had kind of this audacious prayer. I said, all right, Lord, you choose the apartment and I'll talk to the realtor. And the first apartment that the realtor shows me, I will take it. No questions asked. And I told my friends in our fellowship, and at first that just sounded like, oh, that's really faithful. You know, that's such a good, faithful prayer. But as time went on, they were like, what are you doing? Because I was just waiting and yeah. not doing it. You know, I, the realtor knew and I knew. And on about three occasions, the realtor would call me and say, hey, I've got an apartment for you. And I would be like, okay, that's cool, but I'm playing at a concert tonight. I can't come see it. And then the next day he'd be like, I'm so sorry, it's gone. Somebody took it. And I was like, no worries. Because <laughs> I was seriously praying like, and I feel like God gave me the spiritual gift of faith at that moment to trust that God would do it. And I believed it so much. I was like, Lord, you have to do this because yeah. I can't choose the place. And I was praying and my friends were looking at me like their eyes are getting wider and wider as like the weeks are going by and she still hasn't found an apartment and she's going to get kicked out and she's not going to have anywhere to live. Two months went by and I even shared with my home church in the U.S. And my pastor was like, wow, that's quite a prayer. And I was like, listen, I have to, I have to do it this way. And it came down to January 15 and I got a call to say there's an apartment open. Wow. And I walked into that apartment and I was like, yep, this is it. The Lord did it. Wow. I've been there for over seven years. And the only one that can hear me is the guy below me. And he's super nice. For a while, our band would practice in the apartment. And we had a thing where I would just let him know, the band's coming. And he was like, okay, that's fine. So the Lord did choose the place. And it, and it had to be. I kind of threw myself on the Lord saying, you have to choose because it's just far too dangerous here for me to pick the spot. And I feel like that was also a learning time for me to see the faithfulness of God and say, am I willing to relinquish this choice to him? And am I willing to like really relinquish it? I, I was still seeking. I still had the realtor looking for me, but the realtor even thought I was starting to be crazy. I told the realtor, I said, I'm praying and God's going to do this. <laughs> and he did. That's amazing. Now, I'm going to be interested to see how many more times this comes up as we're talking. But already, I'm just thinking back to our conversation about, you know, you're a student with InterVarsity and you have this clear calling from God of like, you're going to go somewhere, you're going to do this global missions work of some kind, and that somebody tells you, but you need to wait. It's not time yet. Certainly there were other things that God was doing in you and preparing a space for you that you got there at the right time. But I also wonder if that 10 years of waiting yeah. was God saying, you're going to have to be able to wait for me wow. and trust me when you get to where I'm sending you. If you can't learn that lesson here, you're not going to be ready for the work that there is to do. Yeah. So even just that moment right there of like, it's coming down to the wire of me getting kicked out of this apartment and I'm waiting for the right one from God that, yeah, I, I just wonder if that was part of what God was doing in that decade of preparation for you actually then being sent to, to where you are now. Totally. And I even feel it now, like after Urbana, I've been praying and I kind of had a image in my mind as I was praying of the gears of a clock. And I prayed, Lord, would you please put all the gears in place? And then when the time is right, the clock will start to tick. And I, I hope that is a lifelong thing. Now that I am serving in missions, it's not like, well, I've arrived and now there's nothing. You know, I feel like I hope that I'm always pressing on with the Lord to say, what else, Lord? You know, it says in his word that we go from strength to strength, glory to glory. 
we're moving forward, but he has to prepare it, right? Yes. And we yes. have to follow in what he's prepared. Harvest, you've shared a little bit about, about some of these different things, but can you tell us, I mean, as much as you can tell us, what are some of the facets of the ministry that you're doing? You've talked about sort of this community that gathers. Just tell us more about some of the sure. ministry work that you're doing. Well, after I had been established in our city for about nine months, I said to my Chinese roommate, who's also a believer, I said, let's do something. Let's start a Bible study. And so we invited everybody we knew, coworkers, friends, neighbors, Starbucks baristas, anybody that in (laughs) nine months I had kind of gotten to know over to watch the Jesus film. Okay. It was like, that's a good place to start, right? It's kind of a tried and true, awesome thing. So we, we gathered about 20 people into our home. And then after that, we were going to keep going. And I have to say, at this moment in my life, I really did not have any confidence to like lead a Bible study. Okay. And I mean, I had, of course, I'd been in university for all these years and I had participated in Bible studies. But if I, I'm honest with you, I, there was only one other time I'd led a Bible study and that was with university. And it was so boring. I didn't even want to go. <laughs> and eventually it dissolved. Like my, my co-leader and I, we would end up just going out for coffee because we were like, this is oh, super boring. But I loved children's ministry. And so I taught Sunday school for like 15 years. And even in college, I got plugged into a local church leading children's ministry, which was like a super awesome part of my college life as well. So I loved teaching kids and I felt really comfortable with that. But adults, mm, not so much. And so what we did to start this quote unquote Bible study was we started watching videos, like teaching videos. And that was cool for like mm, six weeks or so. But then I was like, man, we have to get to know Jesus. And so I dug out my Bible study skills from InterVarsity, inductive Bible study, and just started with my friends, started reading the scripture and doing the good old observation, interpretation, application, who, what, when, where, why, how, cause and effect, all this kind of stuff, just with these, these friends. And we started doing that. And then as I did the study with them, I kind of moved more into learning how to teach this through my own Bible study. And so we are at almost 14 years later, this group has continued to meet. Wow. And we now have on a given night, maybe 30 people, but the numbers of people that have come and gone is mostly young, young adults who are in the first, you know, five to 10 years of adult style life, come into our city to work as young professionals, meeting up with us and then studying God's word. We did Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, I haven't had the courage to do Romans yet. (laughs) We've done Genesis. We've done Ephesians. You know, we've, we've really, okay, I'll get there with the Romans, but we've studied the word of God together for so many years. And so this, this grew into a little home fellowship, we would call it. And through this group of awesome people who are either just meeting Christ for the first time or are early in their journey with the Lord and don't usually have Christian family background. So we become really the family of God together. And so we're not just doing Bible study together. We're having Chinese New Year's parties and we're doing outreach in the park together. We are preparing weddings. We've had people get married and like we all come together and help put on the wedding. And we are doing trips together in the last couple of years. We've started doing kind of like camps or retreat style things where we're going out and we're doing hiking and sailing and all this cool stuff together. And really starting these young adults living life together and learning how to live a life with Christ. Again, they, they don't have a background of this. They don't have a Christian mom and dad usually that showed them how do you live out your Christian life? How? are you a Christian in the workplace? How do you find a marriage partner in a Christian context? 
How do you start a marriage in the Lord? We are just the family. You know, I'm like the older sister. And <laughs> now I've got some little kids that call me auntie. We have like this family that is joyful. We worship together. We started a, a kids club because people were asking to, to receive training in children's ministry. We got my friends' kids together and started this really fun kids club. And our Chinese friends have come to learn how to be Sunday school teachers. And it's awesome because they never went to Sunday school. They never had this Christian background and they never had the, the joyful learning of Bible stories and playing games and acting out Bible stories and singing kids yeah, songs about right. Jesus. All this is like this really colorful life that the Lord has given us together to look at kind of all the stages in life. Whatever God's put in our hand to do, looking around at our friends and saying, Lord, what are the needs that we have and how can we grow? And because of the place of where I'm at, it's not like there are a thousand resources. There's not all these different ministries or clubs or churches or classes or services. You know, it's like we're all kind of just like looking at each other going, okay, well, let's get together for some prayer tonight. You know, like, how can we do this? You know, (laughs) how can we together just keep seeking the Lord and, and learning and growing. Sounds very grassroots. Yes. Almost <laughs> yeah. too grassroots and organic sometimes. Yeah, We're like, yeah. well, what do we do now? Yeah, right. Okay, guys. <laughs> and and so like all of this is just happening sort of out of your apartment? Yeah, it did up until COVID. And then we moved things out of the apartment. And now we move around. We meet in restaurants. We've met in hotels. We've met in a photography studio for a while and homes as well. But just kind of wherever we can gather, we have to move around more and more now because it is, it's getting more sensitive for believers. And we've had some warnings from what we would call special visitors, (laughs) if you know what I mean. We've not had any consequences, but we've had warnings enough to say you shouldn't gather here. And so we just kind of move to the next place or we break into smaller groups. And I feel like we've learned in these years with COVID and more and more restrictions we've had, you know, let's just keep moving forward together. We started doing this thing called walk and talk where we would all meet at the park and then just immediately break into groups of three. We'd have like a scripture to read and some questions to answer, probably along the lines of observation, interpretation, <laughs> application. Seriously. Of course. Man, it's so useful. <laughs> yeah. And and then we just walk and talk for an hour in our small groups. And I feel like the Lord's shown us in these last three years, just keep moving forward. It doesn't have to look perfect. It doesn't have to be some amazing program, but just let's keep it simple. Meet together, read the word, pray, worship, and be creative, you know? That's amazing. Because as I hear you talk about all these things that you're doing, it just sounds so much like something that you would do during new student outreach on oh, campus. totally, yeah. Like what's a creative way that we can do Bible study that won't feel like Bible study? well, let's break up into groups and go walk around the quad and yeah. do OIA just all together, right? Yeah. Just just like that, just walking around, enjoying the totally. outdoors. <laughs> 100%. And I feel like it's, it's great for all of us, not just my Chinese friends, but me too, to kind of like get yourself out of the box of thinking it has to look a certain way. When my friend who had a photography studio came to me and was like, do you need a space? I was like, Yes, we do. (laughs) And so we moved this kids club into a photography studio and it just was crazy, but it was cool. And we did a photo shoot one day too. That's awesome. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, just to, to say like, hey, we can do this anywhere. It keeps us really flexible, actually, and it kind of lowers the stress level of we've got to have a room that has this many chairs. Right. Where are we going to put the blah, blah, blah? You know, we don't have it. And so we just keep on the move. It's kind of a freeing thing, you know? Ten years. 
That feels like such a long time to wait for the thing that you're confident the Lord has called you to do. But that really is an ongoing part of our discipleship journey, isn't it? Waiting on the Lord's timing and learning to trust Him through that process. And it doesn't always make sense to us. Why couldn't Harvest have had 10 more years in the field? Why didn't Jesus spend more than three years in His official ministry? Why do we have to wait for things that are good for us and for others? I really wish I had a good answer for us. Maybe it's so we keep in mind our place in all of this. I don't know. That God's already at work in us and in the places where he's called us to be. That arriving, finally getting to the place where we're meant to be, isn't the only place where we experience God's goodness for ourselves, and it's not the only way to participate in his will for others. I'm not sure. What do you think? Why do we wait? What waiting experiences have you had in life after graduation? If you have thoughts, drop a line, let us know your experience, or join me on Instagram on Wednesday at 8.30 Central and let's discuss it together. Harvest, thanks so much for joining us this week and for sharing your story. If you all enjoyed listening to Harvest while you're in luck, she and I chatted for two hours, maybe more than that. So you're going to get to hear more from Harvest later on this season. So keep your eyes and ears open for that. As for next week, though, we're going to be joined by Bridget G., an InterVarsity alum just like you and an author of the awesome book, Single Just Because, A Pilgrimage into Holy Aloneness. Bridget's going to share some of her experiences and unique insights as a single woman. So pick up your copy of her book from IVP using your alumni discount and then tune in next week for an extremely refreshing perspective on the opportunities and challenges of singleness. It's going to be a great time. Hey, thanks so much for joining us today, alumni. If there was anything you learned that you really enjoyed or that encouraged you from today's episode, would you send us a DM or tag us in a story? We would love to hear about it. You can find us at After4Pod on Instagram and Facebook. And if you haven't already, take just a second to unlock your phone and subscribe to the podcast. If your platform lets you, leave us a rating and a review. And if you like what we're doing here, then would you share us with your InterVarsity or other post-graduation friends? Thanks again for listening, and I will see you in the after, alumni.